This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Hey, everybody. Hey, Larry. Hi. How are you guys doing today? What up, Larry? What up, Tim? How was your day? <laughs> you know it's good. Name. It's almost over. <laughs> It is. I, I was about to say good morning, and I think that's because I'm drinking my coffee. Uh, I did not have coffee this morning. And Tim was saying something interesting that he's never had coffee before. Tim's never had never, it. Well, not technically true. I had one kind of cup of coffee maybe five years ago. It was water. I mean, you used well, it so to here's, make here's the thing. Okay, so I had never had coffee my whole life. My parents didn't drink coffee. It just wasn't, never had coffee. Um, not, not in you college. Just didn't believe in it. I didn't pull all-nighters in college, so I never drank. I just didn't do it. And then... Um, so Tim didn't got, work very hard in college. Did. Is what he saying. By the book. So most well, most mindsets were like, okay, I got to get all this done before I go to bed. And my mindset was, I need to get like my bedtimes at my bedtime. I think it was all done before. Which is then. what Tim and Tim did have a bedtime yeah. in college, ten thirty, because he doesn't drink coffee. Yeah. Anyway, okay, continue. So, so, so I was interviewing for a job right after college, and <clears throat> excuse me, and the woman wanted to. Um, do like an informational meet and greet type of interview at a coffee shop in town. And I was very excited, but freaking out because I'm like, okay, this is going to see that I don't drink coffee and I'm a fraud. So I was like, it didn't even occur to me that, that I could just order hot chocolate or tea or something, both of which I love. So I, um, I'm like, if I need to drink coffee with this lady, I don't want this to be my first cup of coffee. I need to practice coffee. No, so, coffee. so um, a girl I did in high school worked at a coffee shop shop down the street so i was like i texted her i'm like hey i'm gonna come get coffee today i don't even know what the rules are like i'm just gonna go in i'm gonna get a coffee and it's like it's one of those fake like they make like candy coffee like everything's like milky way and mint oreo it's called mary lou's it's big in like just a certain area of massachusetts um and there's hardly any coffee in it it would just be like it'd be like an oreo milkshake with like some um I don't know, some espresso beans in it or something. I don't even know what Sounds that awesome. even yeah. means. Um, <laughs> I had it, didn't taste any coffee, didn't feel any different. And then long story short, the interview never even happened because my car broke down <laughs> and <laughs> the lady, it just fell through and I never even got that job. So, But how long was the practice short, coffee is what we all want to know. It was good, but again, I couldn't taste any coffee and it was sure. just, it was like an Oreo milkshake basically. They had just some... what mocha something in it and i don't know so wow. yeah so that's my Life only changed. coffee and you didn't even get the job didn't even get the interview <laughs> you didn't even yeah. get the interview that practice yeah. coffee was worth it that practice coffee yeah he's I never was, been back he's never and that yeah i haven't i haven't had a coffee every since time we throw before. it on the pot you're like nope no thank you no I was hoping somewhere in that story there'd be a segue into today's topic, but there just really <laughs> isn't. Not. So I'm going to just punch I'm on through it. And I, I drink tons of coffee. Oh, speaking of someone who drinks some tons of coffee, let's talk about KPIs. Yay! <laughs> How many coffees can you drink? Can you directly correlate coffee to clients? To <laughs> you might be able to. MQLs yeah. earned per day per cups of coffee per email draft. <laughs> I think if you use coffee as a reward, I can't get that second cup until I make 40 calls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yeah, like a reward system. <laughs> okay. So what brought this like subject on is we were talking, uh, what sparked it was vanity metrics, which I think is like vanity. really, really interesting um so we have like actual metrics that we like live by 
but maybe some of the ones that you're using at home aren't as important as you really think they are. Anyone? We're specifically talking to probably here marketers who are working in a company that mm-hmm. like uh, we're, we're always struggling to put together some kind of data or metrics to prove to our boss that what we're doing is working. Mm-hmm. And those are what we would call usually vanity metrics because most of the time they don't really matter at the end of the day. They're but they like, look pretty. They look pretty. Right. You yeah. can make them look sharp on a graph, um, but they're not really moving the needle from a sales and marketing perspective. Yeah. So let's get a couple of them out of the way. What are your guys' opinions on some of these things that might sound good on paper, but they're really not moving that ROI? I've got one because we have a yeah. write-in vote. Okay. <laughs> we have a Slack channel going about this topic oh. right now. <laughs> And Raquel, who is uh, not able to make the podcast today, had a write-in, and she said a big one is followers. People mm-hmm. get so fixated. I, I'd followers. argue that, but she then defined it a little clearer, and I think that's her point. What she defined it as? She wrote, so like, I do think if you are targeting the right people with your social media and you're growing followers, that's still a pretty important number. But maybe more important is like the engagement. Yeah. So she mentioned like you could have 20K followers, but if you only get like 60 likes or like two comments on a, on a post, like obviously it looks like you just bought followers or something. Right. So it's it's interesting because like people at the marketing level want to prove to the people, you know, the C-suite or anyone above them, their director, that what they're doing is working, right? So you can make a really nice graph showing like your follower growing every single month or every week or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Which, which it looks good. It's a nice visual. It shows like, hey, we're doing something cool here. But I'd be way more interested to look at like, especially if you're using HubSpot, how many of your customers or MQLs or leads are coming from your social channels, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, it's the next level of metrics. Sources. Right? Yeah. It's, right? It's not as much, it's pretty of a graphic. It's not as, um, it's going to be a much smaller number. So it's not really the one you brag about when you're trying to show what you're doing is working. Um, and that's, that's why I think it's a really good example of a vanity metric. Um, yeah. while we're on social media, I think Instagram does a great job. If you have like the business profile, you can swipe over into their metrics there. Um, like website clicks, yeah. I'd, I'd go by that before I went by followers because that's someone yeah. who is interested enough in your account to take that next what step. What about a company tender account? Yeah, we just started that. It's going really well. <laughs> Wait, time out. This is know. kind of a great idea, though. And it's like just a B2B Tinder. And it's oh, like, oh, I'd man. like to work with you. I would not like to work with you. Oh. It's based off of the, the logos of the Right. Companies. I don't know. Something. <laughs> Isn't that kind of LinkedIn? Darna? Not yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. Not until we pitch this. <laughs> okay. Vanity metrics. Continue. Yeah, I think I was just saying like how... Um, I liked that Instagram had the website uh, link clicks because Mm -hmm. or or something along those lines that shows people are taking that next step other than just engaging with you on that social media channel. They're actually bringing you into that site. There's a lot to be said about that. Like that could also be a vanity metric if you're using that in a way to say, oh, look how great we're doing because we got 53 clicks from our (laughs) profile. But I think where you could do cooler things with it is if you're using that to gauge like some next level stuff, like you're retargeting, you're pixeling that audience. So you want to track how many people are coming from your Instagram to click to your profile because you're retargeting or pixeling that audience to get them into different kind of nurturing as a source. So it kind of goes back to what Tim said, because I think that was pretty cool 
um, like identifying things that at the end of the day probably aren't aren't the most important, but looking at it from a different perspective, like what channels are actually driving. Like that's a pretty cool thing to monitor, to understand, wow, we've spent a ton of time focusing on Instagram, but like it's not working. Like we're not getting anything out of it. All the traffic is actually coming from our blog, our organic, or yeah. our paid Google ads are mm-hmm. killing it. And so focusing on get, get, being able to like put a pie chart together that shows what percentage of traffic is coming from what source. It really goes back to your uh, buyer persona and how they engage, you know, um, depending on if they're, yeah. if they're actually engaging with you on one channel versus another um, or just viewing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to throw another one out there too. Toss it. Um, it's funny because I see this a lot and I come from the corporate world too, where it's, if you're in a bigger company, right. And everyone looks at the marketing team is like, what do those guys even do? Like that's the department <laughs> with like the colorful walls and the couches and the TV and they're, they're they have a mini fridge. pictures and just yeah. filming stuff. All they're the one, they organizing all the events and they're like the fun department department who, who knows what they do. Right. So what it's pretty easy to fall into a trap where you just wanted to show the rest of the company and your, you know, your exec team, how busy you are and show like, Hey, we posted two blogs this week. We posted on you know six social posts. We um, ran a webinar. We showing like busy how busy you are and what you're producing, mm-hmm. but things that at, you know on a one by one basis probably aren't moving the needle like you said. Yeah, right. So it's pretty pretty easy to fall into that. And I definitely see that from, from clients who are who are that you know head of marketing, director of marketing. Um, that, that all they really want to know is like, they're on, they're on me for like, Hey, let's make sure we get the social post out this week. Do you have that new blog draft yet? Cause that's what the, it's very visible mm-hmm. and it reflects on their performance. So that that's what they're, they're focused on. Right. Yeah. And things that are more like, like sales alignment and HubSpot and like getting like the lead scoring updated and things like that, which are probably more important for the growth of their business, but it's completely invisible to anyone outside of right. our little circle. Yeah. They're not, they're not, you know, pressing their foot as much. much about right. That. Yeah. That's a really good point. Right. And I'm like, you know, if I can get one thing done for you this week and it's a blog post or like refining like your workflows, she's going to ask for the blog post yeah. every time. And I would, I would argue that so hard against them, right? I know mm-hmm. that workflow mm-hmm. is going to be so much more important. Right. You're nurturing. Exactly. But when, but when the CEO said, Hey, how can we even post anything on the blog this week? It's just like, it's just a little slap on the wrist for that, mm-hmm. for that person. So they, they want the blog right. and it's so backwards. So to, to fix that maybe is assigning a worth, uh, of what like a blog post means to your company. So if it's like one point versus like a webinar is like five points versus the actual draw it brings in. So like, let's say it's deep Larry, like, let's say we're just talking lead generation and you get a lead a month from a blog, but you get five leads from uh, a webinar. Mm-hmm. You're going to wait that more. So maybe you should do two webinars this month instead of any blog posts. Mm-hmm. And those were just very arbitrary numbers, but I think you guys get what I'm saying. Yeah. You kind of branch into like points pricing models. It's almost like lead scoring your own marketing too, which is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I do think it is a trap, like Tim said, of just being like, you. it's so much easier to be like, sir, look at this. I did five vlogs this week. Right. When right. instead you could be like, I refined our whole sales process yeah. and now we hand off the best leads possible. Right. Um, but I have nothing to show for it except for a couple clicks I did in HubSpot. But it's like, look how busy our marketing team is. And mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> I think the best way to solve that is to have uh, a marketing and sales service level agreement, an SLA mm. Because if you can define, so the sales team is aware of what the marketing team's responsibility is, and the marketing team is is aware of what the sales team responsibility is, 
um, it, it will allow for um, the, the marketing team to do the things that need to get done to deliver the most important metric. Typically, the most important metric from a marketing perspective is that marketing qualified lead. Um, so not a vanity metric, right. <laughs> um, a metric. So we have leads. It's almost like our Bible for us and our clients, yeah. right? It's all about finding that's mark- qualified marketing leads. qualified leads. MQL. That's probably the most important metric as a marketer that you could track because if you know that, you know, you go through a marketing and sales alignment meeting, which you can do on your own. Um, and there's tons of guides online to just kind of run one or you can chat with us and we'll be glad to help you. <laughs> um, but if you know, let's say we have to generate, um, let's say 35 marketing qualified leads, um, which means a lead that is qualified as a good fit and they're highly engaged. And usually we do that through lead scoring. You can also kind of jump to the front of the line by filling out a, I want to talk to sales form or a consultation. Yep. Um, if we know that uh, we need to deliver, what I say, 35 leads then really all the other stuff is just arbitrary. What has to happen are things that move that metric. It might be, okay, we're coming close to the end of the month and we're low. Like we need to beef up our something. We need to do another re-engagement campaign to our current lead list. Maybe we need to run a new Facebook ad campaign for another two weeks just to get more leads in the door. Um, it does not matter at all about your click rate on your emails at that point. It does not matter how many people, how many impressions your, your Facebook ads are getting at that point. You're very much focused on the bottom, on the, on the metrics that matter. That's huge. And then I think that goes right back into even just leads, I think could technically be a vanity metric, right? Because if I'm bringing in a thousand leads from a paid source, like let's say we're doing Facebook ads and then a thousand leads from organic traffic, but 50 of those organic people are turning into MQLs and only five from Facebook are Mm -hmm. those thousand leads here are a lot different than the thousand leads I got over here. You're still paying for those leads like an inventory. So like we, you have like a allotment of contacts and HubSpot, but once you know that conversion rate, that does allow you. So maybe it is not, maybe it is. I think there's, there's there's a lot of layers to this. There's a lot of layers. Yeah. Like I, I could, I think the, the conversion rate, is um, maybe not weighted enough on, at least in some of the stuff that, that we're doing for our own marketing, I've noticed too, like we should focus a lot on what that conversion rate is because if we know what the conversion rate is um, and we want to, let's say, increase our leads, we have to, or increase our MQLs, we can, we know pretty much exactly what number of lead we need to get to target to hit that. So do you think it's pretty important to do it, um, the conversion rate per lead source versus leads altogether? So, um, like I said, like Facebook ads versus organic ads versus all of your leads is like, is it easier if you're like just starting to just say of all your leads, 5% turn into MQL or should you right out the gate really be dissecting these per lead source? I don't know. What do you think, Liz? (laughs) <laughs> Liz hasn't talked much. She's, she's like, no, don't no. call me on this one. I'm gonna hide from the teacher. <laughs> um, don't make eye contact. Yeah, you can break it down individually. Um, it probably depends on what software you're using. 
Very if true. It, it might be a lot easier if you're like in HubSpot, I could make a list to like in yep. five minutes and be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might not have that luxury. Tim, do, do you have any like client examples? of? Like, I do. I've been waiting for you to, to oh, call Oh, I'm so on, sorry. Oh I'm a little chatterbug over here. <laughs> so, okay. I have a, a client example that I want to throw a question out to the group. But first I'll start with, um, we have a client who... The traffic on their site has been pretty good, been pretty consistent, but their sales have been trending downward for at least a year now. Um, And he came to us. us. (laughs) What? Before they came to us. Before they came to us, right. It's a brand new client. We've been just tanking for the last year with them. (laughs) Sorry. Brand new client. This is is what he came to us with. That was his problem, right? Um, and we kind of came up with, with the approach of like, okay, you bring a lot of traffic, but you're not converting people in the top of funnel. It's either buy or get out. Right. Yeah. So we kind of said, okay, we're going to focus more on bringing like high intent traffic that are the right fit. And the, the volume is going to be lower, but like of that group, you have a much higher chance of closing. Right. So we're focusing more of like bringing in the top of funnel that fits your profile and focusing on converting those into customers rather than just throwing as much as you can at the top of the funnel. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the short term, the traffic is less than it was because we're not throwing everything at the top of the funnel. We're trying to get narrowed in and bring like the highest um, fit people. Right. But he's in his mind, he still gets nervous about that aspect of like, okay, well the traffic's down and we're like, yeah, it's going to be down because we, that's our strategy now, but it's still like, it's a vanity metric because it's, it's, it's natural for to see like that number going down and getting nervous about it until you see the results that, it, that it's going to bring long term, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're not, um, if you're kind of shifting, it's a it's a new mindset, it's shifting priorities, and if you're not careful about it, it's easy to get wrapped up in like the short term. It's especially hard to because I know exactly who we're talking about. They also didn't have MQL set up before, yeah. So this is a brand new metric, and we have this to show but they've never seen this before and they've just saw sales. Right. So that makes it harder too, I think. So I want to throw a question out to the group. Please. Speaking of websites, right? What are some examples in your mind of, of vanity metrics as it comes to like web analytics, right? For example, um, if someone, should they people be, be focused more on like page views or, or sessions or, yeah. um, or maybe like like you said, like focus more on optimi- a conversion rate than page views. Well, what are some vanity yeah. metrics there? Um, so I think it depends on how you're using it. So what the data is, uh, like what the what the reports for Tim's rolling his eyes at me. Said, <laughs> we should not be so hypothetical. It depends. You are lukewarm, Jones. <laughs> it's warm. So I'll go straight like, to the point. It's conversions. It's conversions. <laughs> you sure. want conversions. That's the main thing. Um, so I don't. Do we want to talk like I'm narrow it down? Specific. Okay. Like, I don't really care about bounce rates on pages. It. Do, I don't care about bounce <laughs> rates on pages. I don't think it really matters, um, especially when you have high traffic, at least on the surface level. You can always narrow down and get into specific pages. Um, but when you have people hitting your website, uh, and and they're not in the right spot, you want them to get out. You don't want them to be there. So, um, you high bounce rates means people are hitting your website and they're leaving. Obviously you don't want to see that just staying that way as you're doing the right thing. You're doing marketing, you're Mm -hmm. putting more content out. Your bounce rate is going to drop, especially as you get more narrowed, um, into your focus. But when, if I'm going to put up a report, of how a website is performing and like why that's important to the bottom line of revenue of a company, bounce rates are not something that I'm really concerned about. And I think that is something that I've seen people 
talk about bounce rates and I've heard people talk about bounce rates about why that's such an important metric to monitor and to move. And I would just disagree. Um, things that I think are, do we really want to explain bounce rates real quick? Bounce rate is, because I don't know if it's, I, I could be way off, but is it called bounce rates no matter what platform you're on or is that HubSpot specific? I think it's platform agnostic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's when people leave your website right away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're, they hit it and they quit it. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it's okay if they hit it and quit it sometimes. Yeah. But, there's a, but you need to know why. You need to know why they're leaving. Right. Sure. You know, if That's it great. is just because they're not a qualified lead, then yeah, fine. See ya. But if it's because you're doing something wrong, the page is not loading, um, you're not saying the right things to target your market. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many other reasons and you need to dissect that further. Yep. And that goes back to what I was saying too, when you have like a lot of people, when you're just worried about traffic and bring as much as you can to the top of the funnel and seeing what sticks, your bounce rate is going to be high because you're kind of just, you're casting a wide net and seeing what you can pull out of that. So you're going to have a lot of people that aren't good fits and they're going to bounce. Right. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm speaking, I agree completely. Like you could use that in such good ways. Like all the data can be used in so many good ways to make informative changes. So bounce rates, they have a place and they are Mm -hmm. important. Um, but if I'm, I'm putting myself in a position of, I own a company and I have a marketing director or VP of marketing and I say, all right, VP of marketing, I want you to show me a dashboard, show me the reports that prove what we're doing right now is working. Yeah. So you wouldn't show the bounce rates. Like no that doesn't make sense. No. Shit yeah. about mm-hmm. that bounce rate. It right. doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I don't care how many page views we have. I don't care that this page got more than that page. I don't care that people clicked on this CTA 700 times. What I want to know is, are we generating leads and are they the right kind of leads? Mm -hmm. And so it's very much like metrics that are, when we say vanity metrics, are those like ancillary things that, yeah, we could use them in a lot of cool ways. And sure, they're going to be helpful if you're analyzing email campaigns and checking the open rates and the click rates. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm as a boss focused on those hard metrics. Yeah. Right. Well then also how do you approach either a client or your boss when you do get those higher quality leads and they cost more to convert? Mm. Right. Because yeah. if you're just throwing stuff to the wall, it's going to be cheaper. Yep. It's going to be easier. You're not going to get the leads, though, that you actually want. They're not going to be qualified. They're not going to convert mm-hmm. the way that you want them to. But to get those, you're going to have to spend more time and more money to get them. Yeah, that should be a whole you can, Oh, yeah. too far. Too far. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> cost of acquisition. Yeah, we have like cost client. per contact, cost per yeah. customer. Like that's a metric that you should set. And if you... I don't, I don't think if you're setting it right away, there's a bad number there because mm-hmm. that's the, that's the data you have just work on improving it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe it isn't, Hey, this is the cost and it's either high or low. It's mm-hmm. Hey, from last month to this month, we've dropped our cost per lead by $5. Right. Yeah. I think and that's co- great. <laughs> that cost per lead stuff is so it's funny to me because people get really amped up about not wanting to spend a high cost per lead. Well, that's the appeal of inbound, right? It's right. like, but even then, like uh, you're, if you were doing like, like our Facebook clicks and a campaign is generating this lead cost, gosh, this lead cost $150. Yeah. But you're selling a $150,000 service a year. Like, I would pay $150 to buy customers all day. In fact, I would be, I would sign up for it. That's a huge point. Right? Like, why not? (laughs) Please. (laughs) That that brings on a good point. I mean, Larry, I'd be curious to know what you think. What are some vanity metrics around paid ads? 
Can you think of anything? I think John just brought up a great point and that's where yeah. my head went right to. It's like, what are you selling? So like if we're doing like B2C stuff with someone where they're just selling like a $50, uh, I don't know, hat or something yeah. and we are s- selling three hats and it's costing us $150 and we're breaking even. Yeah. That's a bad lead. That's, <laughs> that's bad. That's not good. You're breaking even. Like, I mean, I yeah. guess you're getting sales and that's good, but yeah, it comes down to what it costs versus what you're selling. So what about impressions? I think they are not to be overlooked. Although I do find myself if I, the ad's not performing well, I'm like, Oh, well we got a lot of good impressions. <laughs> um, Noted. But I, there's value there, right? I mean, it's yeah. a lot less though. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think impressions is sort of underrated. I, it is because it's, it doesn't go to John's big thing. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't get you an right. MQL. But, but if it's a targeted ad and it keeps right, following right, that right, person, right. the more impressions. It does take yeah. eight I mean, to nine times. I was just yeah. going to say that. Yeah. Plus right? brand recognition is like, that's still worth something too. Like that's still it's valuable. It's almost forgotten at this point because you just want to do a bottom of funnel ad to get someone to either buy right now or convert right now or to retarget them four more times until they yeah. buy right now. Mm-hmm. I miss the days of Facebook where you could just pay like 30 cents to get a like, you know? <laughs> it was so easy back then. But the likes don't mean anything. Right? And no, that was the first thing we said. They convert. Oh, come on. <laughs> but did come they convert? On. <laughs> the old Facebook strategy was you would buy likes and then you would target specifically your ads to the likes of your page because it would cost less at that point to serve an ad to someone who already liked your page as opposed to serving mm-hmm. ads to net new audiences. So uh-huh. if you had a thousand dollars to spend in a month, you would target a portion of that to get the likes and then you target the remaining amount to go after those people again. Very interesting. But I don't know. And maybe that still works and it was worth exploring. Yeah, some I more, don't. But. I mean, and I, I admit I don't know, but I, I think or I, at least I thought that like the likes are not as important really anymore. Yeah. You know, no, but you certainly can create audiences based on your people who have engaged with your site. So mm-hmm. maybe that is easier to get more direct. All right. Interesting. Let's switch. We talked about websites. We talked about social. Let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about email re-engagement. Are there vanity metrics? Vanity metrics. Email metrics is huge. So let's go right off the bat. Unsubscribes. That comes to me. Mm-hmm. People really dwell on that. And maybe we've talked about it on the podcast, gosh, like at least eight times. Burns. But, oh my gosh. <laughs> but let's iron it in. Can I just throw it real Please. quick? We sent, it was, a, it was a newer client. We sent out a re-engagement email. They had, they were sitting on a couple of thousand contacts. They hadn't engaged with it all. And the client slacked us very upset because we sent out an email to 2000 people and someone unsubscribed. One Just person. One, one person. It's like, we need, how, how do we stop this from happening again? And we're like, you, you can't. And by the way, it's a good thing, right? Like you're cleaning up your list. You don't want to be hosting these people that have no interest in your business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so funny because people, they, they can freak out about we it. We fix this. How about, we put a big banner at the top of the email. Please don't unsubscribe. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, there is no way to You'll get a virus that. if you unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> That's great marketing. Yeah. The word virus in any of your emails, <laughs> just do it. Just see you probably happens. put it right in the subject line. Yeah. <laughs> Open Not a virus, winky face emoji. <laughs> so I, I don't know if this counts as a vanity metric, but um, people ask about click rate versus click through rate. Oh, yeah, I'd love good. to talk about so that. So click rate is how many people, if you send it to a hundred people and 10 opened it and 
two people clicked on it, that's a 2% click rate, right? Yes. But it's a 20% 20. click through rate. Click through rate. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait one more time. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Math click is rate hard, is out of everyone you sent it to, how many people clicked? Click through rate is that out of everyone who opened it, how many of them clicked? Yes. Yeah. And that's and way more that's meaningful the to one, me. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. But people, people panic because, like, oh, we only got like a 1% click rate or 2% click rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you, but like 60 people opened it and 15 of those right click so that's like that's yep. awesome that means like what we're doing is working we need to focus more on the subject line or then something like that line. it's the subject yeah. line or your list right because right. it's who you're sending it to and what that subject line and preview text says yeah and that's what's going to affect your click rate right but your click through rate if that i think the metric i've been using uh was like what anything above like eight percent for a click through rate Let's look. I'm going to like straight up dive into our last email and let's diagnose it. (laughs) So we had a 15% open rate. It hasn't finished sending. We did a selected send Mm -hmm. and we have a click through weight of a rate of 11.9%. That's great. Mm -hmm. I think 8% is a great click through rate. And part of that is our job to like get our, get our clients looking in the right place for their numbers, the meaningful data and not, you know, panicking at, every metric that comes through because some of them are misleading. Some of them aren't priorities, right? Yeah. But yeah. And then if you look at that click rate, 1.8%, it's like, whoa, Yeah, no one likes us, but that's out of the 10,000 people we sent it to mm-hmm. 1.8% clicked, not necessarily who opened verse who opened it. Click 180 people. If my math is right. <laughs> <laughs> nice math. Tim is such a math. He's on fire. That's because all the coffee he didn't drink. Oh my gosh, Tim. <laughs> Made him Didn't smarter. kill my brain cells. So let's talk, maybe you talk about that. Maybe it's a little bit more of a rabbit hole, but um, the follow-up emails after someone fills out a form, super important. I was just looking, because when you started saying that, I clicked through R. I'm like, what are the highest click-through rates that we they're have? All, they're all follow-ups, they're maybe? All, they're the follow-up <laughs> yeah. emails. Yeah. And like, there's so, so much power in the follow-up email because mm-hmm. if you think about it, especially if you don't deliver, when someone fills out a form, let's say, to download a checklist, if you don't deliver that checklist immediately and you require them to go to check their email, they have to go read your email to get the, the, the product that they just downloaded or the guide, the yeah. checklist. And so... That follow-up email, and they're probably going to come back to it again because if it's good and if they need to go back yeah, exactly. tomorrow and I don't know how many times I've done that, um, those click-through rates are really high for us. Like we have 30, 40, 50%. One of them's at 80%. Like they're big. So we could do a whole episode on just the importance of a good follow-up email. Yeah. For sure. Stay tuned. Tune yes. in next week. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Larry, what else you got? So we talked to email. We talked website. We talked social. I guess when we got into this subject, I didn't realize, you know, we we talked about just, you know, KPIs throughout all of the marketing too, Mm -hmm. not just like website. So there's so much more to dig into. Let's talk about the ones that are really important. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. So (gasps) let's give like an actionable advice to maybe set up the one or two metrics that should be your Bible and then just like get people rolling on the straight and narrow. What do you guys think? Well, I think we said it already and it's defining your MQLs, but let's talk about how you do that. Maybe if you have like a a process or tips aside from lead scoring, because I think we've talked about that a hundred times. I agree. A good workflow to define those, right? Awesome idea. Yep. Want to talk through that a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, it starts with lead scoring, and, and I don't. Want, I'm not going <laughs> to. 
it, well, okay. It's that important though. It, it, since we started it here, it's been the Bible is creating a great lead scoring, going yeah. back to it and then making sure the MQLs you're getting out of your lead scoring are doing well. And then you don't have to touch your lead scoring for more on lead scoring. Check out our article in the web canopy journal. <laughs> Do you want to hold that up? So the folks at home can see written it? by Tim Wurzberger. Um, <laughs> we actually had someone reach out to us because they liked that article so much today and they wanted to download your checklist. No way. Yeah. Yep. Tim, what are they single? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm in love. He says, um, but yeah, so I, I say, they don't MQLs, drink coffee. They don't drink coffee. They I'm not going to spend any time on lead scoring, but you get a lead score that you decide this person's a good fit, good, um, in, highly engaged. Say the number is 35, a good workflow that converts them to a marketing qualified lead on their life cycle stage, assign them to a rep, and then enroll them in either a sequence or workflow um, to get that person on a, whether it's a demo call, discovery call, free trial, whatever yeah. that your goal is for your business. When someone hits an MQL in our office, um, our BDR, Sam, will immediately reach out and send video. And like, it's just like a no brainer. Like we send a video so that people can see the face. Video does a way better job of, of talking to somebody as opposed to yeah. a written email. So it's a great way to start a sequence. And then he updates the data box. Yes. Until it shows on the screen so that he can point it out to everybody. Yeah. So that's something <laughs> cool that we do. That might be a great idea. We have recently started putting our metrics on a giant screen in the middle of our office. We're yeah. trying to be very transparent and, you know, hit our goals. So we have, we use data box mm-hmm. and we have made a, a little, it's a dashboard and it has like a little meter. It's awesome. And it, it's our goals to hit our MQLs. It's mm-hmm. our goals to hit our SQLs and it's our goal to hit our sales. And then it also kind of tracks like our best performing blogs and stuff like that, yeah. which are kind of an aside from what we're talking about today, but do we something to, like we that. We go to visits. We have a, we, we're tracking visits on one graph because um, mm-hmm. there's a daily goal for visits. If we meet those goals and ideally if you, and, and that will, those numbers weren't just kind of pulled like, our MQL scores like or our MQL goal is like 60 or something. And, and that number is not pulled out of thin air. We look back at our previous year of, of what we've documented and we could say, okay, so these are the metrics that matter for me specifically. Like, right. all right. So we closed four customers in April. All right. And we closed, we closed about four customers every month when we hit our, our goal. Great. That's great. So four customers, that's what we're aiming for. And so we back that out and we say, okay, I need, I need about, Mm, you know, you're looking through numbers. I need about 10 opportunities each month to close four customers. And then you back that out and say, okay, looks like we needed Sam or BDR to connect with about 25 people to hit those 10 opportunities, which means how many, how many MQLs do we need to generate to hit that? We need about 60 to hit 25, to hit 10, to hit four. And so the whole thing is just backed out and we can just track it and gauge it out. And that's, and those are great key metrics to, then you can keep backing that out maybe. So maybe you go, you go to leads, you go, yeah. How many leads Your did it take? Rate? How many impressions did I need? So I got these leads. <laughs> you, know visits? you know, what's interesting too. And what you just said as a business owner, not the marketer, you're talking about what you care about as the business owner. You don't want, you don't have on that dashboard, like social media clicks or likes no. or like, how many people shared your blog post or like how many blog posts you got out that week? You got like the bottom of funnel of things that are moving the business along. Yeah. Right? And, and there's, yeah. And that's the most important thing. So if you are a marketer or VP of marketing, a marketing director, a CMO, 
or just working in marketing and sales in general, and you're working for a boss, I promise you, your boss doesn't care about most of the metrics that you're talking about. Mm. Your boss is going to care about customers, opportunities, SQLs, and MQLs. And if you can show that boss, this is how the funnel works and this is the percentage, you just immediately gave yourself huge value in your company. Because now you can sincerely track, are you on are you on pace to hit your month, to hit your quarter, to hit your year? And it's very easy to go in when you're not. You know exactly where to go. We had a low um, SQL. And so I know exactly where to go when we hit our, when our SQLs are low. I know that that's my BDR not making enough phone calls. So now I go to the BDR and I say, hey, you need to be making more calls. And if we're not hitting our MQLs, then I know it's because our nurturing is not, something's not right with nurturing. We're getting leads, but we're not getting the MQLs. So and, you, you can go exactly to the funnel. Where you and, to. and Larry, as our director of marketing, could come to you every week and say, hey, John, I posted three blogs this week. Heard John, like, we got our highest social clicks yeah. ever. And you're going to be like, cool. Like, what are our MQLs? Yeah, but we're only at 15 <laughs> like, MQLs. Uh, yeah. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. And then uh, having people own those numbers. That's it. Those are the big ones. Vanity wow. metrics. Who knew? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that really summed it up well. Like, I don't even want to try to go down another rabbit hole. And rabbit. I hope that everyone else found this as interesting as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot to think about to someone who maybe you just inherited this job from someone and you're like, well, the person who had was directing marketing here before would do a blog a week, yeah. five social posts a day. And that's uh, a lot of social posts. <laughs> <to do that. laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. They had this schedule and they're like, well, if I... I just do what they did. I can't get in trouble. Right. Mm. Um, so maybe it's worth reason they're not there anymore. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. So they left on their own reassess with these key metrics. Find it very, there's a whole nother topic about how marketers can look so busy and muddy up so much stuff. So I think that should actually be an entire podcast. Maybe we'll do it soon. Maybe tomorrow. And we will talk through what hap- how do you, you're a new marketing director or you've been there for a few months and the previous person really screwed stuff up or has stuff. Super or was just stagnant. Like that's right. almost yeah. even worse to me is if, I mean, if they screwed it up, you know what they did wrong and you can undo it. But mm-hmm. if they were just doing the same thing every day and you come in trying to do the same thing, that's the definition of insanity, by the way, doing the same thing and expecting different results. Um, <laughs> Very Man, good. Nice. That's a Larry. good metaphor yeah, so for this should, episode. We should. <laughs> we should call it an episode. Bye guys. <laughs> Anything so, else? Yes. So yeah. yeah, we should totally do that as an as an episode and I think um we'll talk through what we should do, like wh- how you, how you would audit that and what you should go through to do to fix that. Love it. Good things. Mhm. All right guys. Hey, I got to go home and and take care of some babies. Aw, tell him I said hi. I will. (laughs) End of day. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye.